Hi, this is Ryan Roberts, and welcome to The Millennial Preacher. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope it's both encouraging and challenging in all the right ways. We're excited about today's show, so let's get going. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Millennial Preacher Show. It's me, your host, Ryan Roberts. I'm joined again today in the studio with Kristen. We're actually not in a studio today. We are actually outdoors, so you may hear a little bit of uh, echo. You may hear a little birds chirping, things like that, but it's one of those beautiful Labor Days, so we thought we would do that. First and foremost, I want to say our prayers go out to all of the nations and everyone that's being affected by uh, the hurricane that's going on right now, we are praying against that in Jesus' name. Um, if you're in one of those areas, know that we are with you in spirit, and we are believing that everything is going to work out for your good, our brothers and sisters. So, Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, last time that we were together, we we kind of left things off talking about you your your at a point in your life where things aren't going well, uh, you've got the boyfriend situation. Um, that's kind of ended at this point. Uh, you left off saying you were in a full-fledged uh, addiction to pain medication and some other things were going on. You had a legitimate health issue, but that kind of morphed into some other things that was going on in life. Life was hard. Your relationship with God was was kind of there, but kind of not there. So now we're picking up, and the last thing we said is you would end up on life support. So take us back, get us back in the swing of things. Let's pick up, pick up right where we left off, right there. Yeah, I really, um, I do try to um, kind of put myself back in that place because it was such a um, dark time in my life, and honestly, I've I've blocked it out a lot. And every now and then it'll really come to me, or especially when someone, they really want the raw emotion in me and, and want to share how how did I really overcome it. Because a lot of times I just kind of laugh and joke around, try to, you know, that's how I do, I've, I've dealt with it. Everybody has a mechanism that they um, deal with, and that's fine. Well, um, at the point in my life, I was um, getting close to being 21 and um recently like we had discussed i had overcame already um i was still dealing with some uh, major bladder issues um so that was still going on um the pain medication addiction it, that had actually really um it went full-fledged with the um ex-boyfriend incident but after I finally cut it off with him, had honestly to get police involved and my family really involved, um, that when that ended, um, it kind of set me free. But I did have to be on something because, like I said, I, um, they were still trying to discover what are we going to do about this bladder issue. So um, actually, you know, I was having to go to hospital after hospital. Um, because Gainesville at the area at the time, doctors weren't uh, really informative on IC, even still. And I know I had said that on the last one, but, I mean, this is going into almost two years, and they still were very not that educated into it. Um, but, so, what happened? Um, I, ended, I had a open wound, and this is how 
Um, we think I contracted uh, the, the flu that um, ended me up on, you know, the um, life support. So I had an open wound from a, a heating pad incident, actually. Um, as I say, my body pretty much kind of hates me. Um, I would sleep with a heating pad a lot, and normally I, it was one of those old ones that had no timer and didn't have a, uh, shut off or would get really hot. It was one of those that would, you know, burn your house down if you weren't careful, but, um, I fell asleep with it, and it created a huge, uh, burn on my back. It was actually, like, a borderline third degree, uh, burn, and, um... So, it was open, and they were performing this procedure on me for my bladder on my back, but it was, like, the um, opposite side to it. So, they said, oh, it's okay. Even though it's an open wound, we'll go ahead with the, with the procedure. Well, um, so, they went ahead with the procedure, and not long after being exposed to, like, a couple of different hospitals and that um I on it was about uh April 18th 2016 to be exact um I can't remember too much from it because of the state I was in um due to my fever my fever was so high and I was just completely so anyways um the night before, I kind of was just, like I said, completely out of my, my mind. Um, I was tossing things around, <laughs> saying that, and my dad was the only one home at the time. My brother and my mom went to go and pray for a family um, at church where something terrible happened. But um, So my dad was here with me. And he was like, what in the world? And I don't remember it at all. And it was, apparently, I was saying that Ryan um, was in a box and that somebody was trying to kidnap him. I had turned over a few tables and was just completely out of my mind. And, and so my mom had a constantly, I mean, she had... He had uh, called her like eight or nine times saying, you need to get here. Kristen is just, I don't know what's wrong with her. You need to just get home. So my mom rushes home with my brother and then um, two other people from the church, which um, I'm assuming it's okay if I mention their name now because I have really um, been appreciative of them. All thanks, shout out to uh, Miss Wanda Atkins and Jenny Atkins. They came along with Ryan, and if he wants to just kind of chime in and, and say how, how my state was at this time and how that went a little bit. So I can remember what happened that particular night. I was actually in uh, Bible college. And so I was, I was already at the church, and I was, I was interning at the church at the time. And a terrible tragedy happened to a family in our church. They, there was a fire, and they had lost some people. And so a bunch of us from the church just kind of grouped together at the church, and we were, we were having a prayer session for them. 
And of course, like Kristen said, I was there. My mother was there. A bunch of our church members was there. And again, we were getting phone calls, but we were in the middle of prayer. And of course, you know, you're not going to answer the phone. And eventually when we did come out and, and, and we called home and was trying to find out what was going on, uh, we just kind of assumed that Kristen was on a bunch of pain medication and maybe we shouldn't have done that, but that's kind of where we were, uh, at that point. Yeah, so Kristen was just saying that, that there was a cocktail of, of medications. The doctors at the time had put her on a multitude of things. It was not just pain medication. Um, she was on a lot of different things that was affecting her. And so we had seen her in that state so many times where she was just kind of acting strange and, and just completely out of her head. And so, of course, that's just naturally what we assumed. And so we get home, and my father had got her calmed down she was in the bed um and so we were just praying over and and again um pastor wanda and jenny they're they're praying over her at the time we're praying over the house um believing that that all these things were going to get fixed and what we didn't know is there was actually um an illness within kristen's body at the time and i'll kind of let her pick up on that but there was some things going really going on that we had no idea so, um, that night, even to this day, my mom said when everybody was praying, which I don't even have any recollection of it at all. The only thing is, is that I remembered that, um, they had showed up, but I don't remember what was said or, or what exactly was going on. So that, um, night, my mom said as she was praying over me, she felt like a a type of rattle in my chest and so but then when she started praying she felt it go away so she felt like maybe it just came up went out not knowing it pretty much went down to my lungs type thing um that night was very hard i don't i remember it very briefly but um when people have severely high fevers and and if and or like um, not very much oxygen in their brain, like I said, they're out of their mind and they they rage or they just sleep and you can't get them awake. I was uh, raging really bad where I was trying to rip the sheets on the bed and um, I was even pulling my mom's arm trying to bite her um, due to like all these realistic nightmares I was having. That they were telling me it would save my mom if I bit her. And I'm bigger than my mom. So I was grabbing her arm. Not trying, not intentionally, but I was really hurting her. And so she would have to like talk, calm me down. And it, it was like I couldn't stop myself from, from doing all these crazy things. And so eventually she would calm me down and, and beg me to just go back to sleep. So, um... In the way in the morning time, I'm not exactly sure what time it was, but I know that my, my brother was gone and my, my dad was gone, so it was just me and my mom at home, and so she felt in my face, and my face uh, gets flushed very easily nowadays. It can't even be flushed without me even being hot, just me just sitting there, and so, um, but this is before all that, I 
before everything I went through, that never happened. So it was kind of out of the blue that my face is burning red. I'm just lying in the bed. I can barely move. I do remember this. I have never felt worse in my life. I had felt like um, somebody had hit me with a semi and just reversed it back and ran me back over again and left me there to die. Um, it was that bad. It, it's not even like I pain because I've experienced pain. But it was like my whole entire body from my hair. It hurts. Um, I had absolutely no energy. I knew that I was dying. And when, when I say that, I don't say it lightly like how people joke around that they're just, they're dying. I was. So my mom looks, goes to get the thermometer and she checks it. And it's literally, I remember to this day, it was 104.8. So it was right at being 105. So it was in the dangerous seizure levels. Um, she, she couldn't even believe it. She tried to like three more times cause she was in such shock, but so she tried to get me up and I bet I was begging her to just let me lay there. And, um, she somehow got me, threw me in the shower, trying to kind of cool me off, wash me off. And then, um, I, I barely remember it, but she somehow got me in the car and drove me up to the hospital. And, um, I don't even remember that ride. I don't remember them rolling me back or anything, but they did it immediately um, when they saw all my vitals. And so I, I do remember when um, I was in the hospital because of like all the bladder issues I've had suffered and, and been in there so much, everyone was thinking that maybe it was just like a bad bladder flare up and it's caused like maybe a bad infection which infections give fevers and stuff like that well so they uh took me uh through a ct my dad was there at that point my mom was there and so the doctor comes in and i was still just in and out like i i couldn't stay awake to save my life and so he he walks in the room and he goes um yeah, she has a, a touch of pneumonia in her lungs, so she'll be staying here in ICU. And all of our mouths dropped because I hadn't been coughing. I hadn't been sneezing or struggling to breathe or anything like that. I had a headache the night before, which I forgot to mention, but I just had a headache. And that woke up with that horrible fever. And then I'm being told now... That I have a touch of pneumonia in my right lung. And then I have to be put in ICU or monitored. Because I have pneumonia. So, um, at that point, I'm, st I'm still just very out of it. I mean, I don't remember getting rolled in a room or even being in ICU, barely. Um, my parents would beg me, beg me, beg me to eat. I was so sick, I, I just, I wouldn't, I didn't want to eat. I wasn't hungry. I did not want to eat. I, I didn't want to even drink anything. So, of course, they had fluids in me, 
and um, they had a small tube of oxygen um, that goes like under your nose I'm not sure what exactly you call that type but um they had a little bit of oxygen going monitoring me and um, it, it, you could just tell I wasn't getting any better it's almost like I was getting worse because I went from sipping on soup to not absolutely not wanting anything and to the point of just only getting um, hydrated through IVs so it was just not looking good so I have to ask you um, how what was going through your mind at that time period I mean I I can't imagine I don't know if you can remember it but but what was going through your mind did you know that you was that sick or was you just still that out of it um I honestly was like still just that out of it I mean uh, it, it was honestly it was one of the weirdest experiences for me um, because I hate to say this but uh, in movies when people certain you know people they know they're dying or they look and they're just like they're okay with it or just kind of feeling very relaxed or whatever um Sally was kind of kind of like from a movie scene where I was just I, I couldn't think I, I mean I, I had no, nothing going on I just knew that my body was not okay that I wasn't doing okay I did know that though I knew I knew it was dangerous so you you obviously wasn't doing well there was something going on you're you're being told that you've got a touch of pneumonia um, which obviously there was much more going on than pneumonia but they didn't tell you anything else at that point they didn't tell anybody anything else at that point they just said that you're really bad sick and you're not eating so they're having to give you fluid IVs and do all these different things and so how in the world do you get from having pneumonia and, and you're young, you're 21 years old, from the next step, which is life support? It, did, it was frustrating how fast everything happened. And, um, of course, you and uh, everyone as my family that was there, I believe, was just in as much luck as I was. But I, I feel like it kind of... It was harder for me to uh, um, understand it, well, because of me being so, like, my brain being so unoxygenated. And um, with that, you know, it was just, okay, so I was in um, ICU for a few days, and um, this doctor did not believe in taking chest x-rays which was not a good thing at all. So he um, allowed me to go into a regular room after those three days um, without checking, like I said. And um, I ended up, after being in a regular room, within hours, I was back in ICU being rushed because my oxygen levels had dropped so rapidly. And still I haven't been on a ventilator yet but within that next day a new doctor had came in to me and I was coherent enough for him to come in and he was like okay so 
I believe what we need to do is put you, um, get you incubated. And we didn't really know what that meant at first, me and my mom, because we always hear ventilator or our life support. And, um, he, and he goes, um, we need, you know, you to be on a ventilator. He said, just to give your lungs a chance to rest. And um, at this point, I don't, I don't even know that they knew which flu, if it was which flu strand. You would remember that. I, I'm not sure. Because I know it honestly took the hospital like almost a week for them to decide what type of flu I had and if I like really had it. Because so that was a frustrating time. So even when I was put on a on the life support on a ventilator, I didn't even as sad to say I didn't even know what I really had. I just knew my lungs were not doing good at all, and what they didn't want to tell me they were pretty much starting to get hard and starting to um what fail. So, but his way of saying it was just we'll just. You'll be on it just a few days, which is three days to me and everyone else, and you can rest. And so I said, okay, that's fine. So I signed the papers to be put on life support. And literally within just a few minutes, I thought I had more time. I thought I had more time to where I would be able to um, see my dad, see my brother, um, because the only person that was there was my mom. My dad had went off to work thinking, you know, I was getting better being in a, a you know, a regular room and stuff, and then my brother, I, um, I think it was at school, I believe, I'm not sure which one, but I went ahead and signed the paper, and within 10 minutes, they were putting the stuff getting getting ready to, to do it and um so I was just talking to my mom and she, she's of course bawling her eyes out and she had you know nobody there personally to help her but we um we called my dad on the phone was telling him he he was talking to me before they put me um on it then my brother um and then that was pretty much it. They um, they came in with all the stuff, and um, my mom she had to walk out of the room by herself and look back at me and tell me she loved me. And so, and honestly, it was it was pretty scary. I had to um, lay there with like I had the tube oxygen on me, but then they also had to put a mask of oxygen on me. And that was really hard because I am claustrophobic, so dealing with that, I was trying to grab that off, and um, the lady kind of moved it, and she's like, what's going on? And I said, look, I'm claustrophobic, please, please just get one of these off me, and she's like, sweetie, and I guess because my oxygen was so low, and then, you know, when they're putting on life support, they're putting all these high-powered um, sleep medications in your um, IV and so sh it lowers your oxygen even more so she said they had to keep both on me while I was laid completely flat back in the bed looking up at the ceiling um, I had at this point I had a 
what's called a pick line in me, and that is where it, it it's a lot more complicated than like just an IV that goes in your vein. It goes all the way to like the bottom of your heart into one of the um, valves in there, and it, so that way the medication hits into your heart instantly versus you know the another way but um so at that point i had that and then I also had a feeding tube and uh, two catheters, one for my bowels and one for the urine. Um, and that was when I was for sure on life support, um, laying in um, critical care at this point. Well, days into me being on the life support, Finally, they did give my family a um, diagnosis of where I had swine flu type A H1N1. It was one of the worst diagnoses um, that they could have gave them out of all the flu choices. Um, I was then um, diagnosed with pneumonia and that my lungs were hardening and it was getting to the point where it was just completely life or death. They um, were giving my parents pretty much only two options of what to do. But then in the middle of my parents hearing those options, things went even worse to where my ventilator had to be turned up to the highest percentage. And I was told that the only thing left was ECMO and if I didn't receive the ECMO that I wouldn't survive but even if I was put on the ECMO I won't may or may not survive but I definitely wouldn't survive a um, life flight or being transferred anywhere else so it the choice was made ECMO. So that is the end of this portion of the story. We're going to pick up in part three with this thing called ECMO uh, device. It was an experimental procedure in a lot of ways. We're going to get into that a lot more in part three, and we're finally going to conclude at least this whole portion of the story and kind of pick up of, of how this changed Kristen's life, my life, our family's life. And what did what happened in the future? Where where did it all end? So that's where we're gonna pick up next time. Be sure to tune in to part three uh, right here at the Monial Preacher. Until then, we'll see you next time. You just listened to the Monial Preacher podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope that you'll listen to us again next week and hit that subscribe button. You can find uh, new episodes every weekend right here at the Monial Preacher. Until then, we'll see you later. Come into CVS today and get free flu shots for the whole family. 
Plus, get a $5 off $20 shopping pass with each one. Visit CVS today. No-cost flu shots with most insurance. Restrictions apply. Visit cvs.com for details.